8.07, South Korea-China ties. They have improved a little bit more, at least, as Chinese President Xi admitted it helped that his counterpart Moon Jae-in travelled to Beijing for their summit yesterday. Third missile defence remains an unsolvable sticking point, it seems, but it also appears that it's more bearable to China now. It didn't come out publicly as a sticking point this time around. And there was headway in a number of areas, including cleaning up air pollution, which I'm personally happy about. That's not to say it's all smooth sailing. Jonathan Cheng, Seoul Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal, joins us on the line to hear more about this diplomatic tango. Good morning to you. Good morning. So do you view this summit as a signal for for a better partnership between the two countries at the moment? Well, certainly I think that's what the intention was. Um, Certainly on the South Korean side, I think the last year and a half has really been um, difficult uh, managing relationships, uh, the relationship there with the biggest neighbor, the most important economic power and partner for the country. Um, and it's just been really difficult with this whole bad situation. And with that deal that was struck earlier this year, I think the um, intent here was really to go and uh, really cement that relationship and um I think that uh, it it hasn't exactly gone to plan. Can you elaborate a little bit further on that, on that major concern, potentially? Yeah, well, I mean, even before the summit, uh, even before Moon headed to Beijing, there was this concern because both sides had said that they wouldn't be issuing um, the typical diplomatic joint statement that you get at the end of one of these summits, which suggested that there was probably still a little bit of distance between the two sides. And when you don't have a statement like that, then you really let symbolism uh, fill that void. And so that means body language, photos, um, and where people go and what they say and and those sorts of things. So you had Moon um, talking about the Nanjing massacre and really sort of uh, trying to, to, to make common cause with the Chinese and emphasize the shared history that they have in terms of what they suffered under the Japanese. That's one way to do it. You had Moon going out to go get breakfast in, you know, downtown Beijing and try and show off his comment, such those sort of symbolic things. But the problem, of course, is that you also have this situation with the photographer now, and that has become a symbolic thing, but uh, not the kind that uh, I think either side really wanted to see. And with this scuffle between the photographers from South Korea and I guess what appeared to be hired bodyguards from the Chinese side, um, it, it really did not uh, send the kind of message I, I think either side really Yeah, wanted. I mean, for you as a journalist, how do you respond to that? That 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 there's this allegation uh, a South Korean photojournalist, one in particular, was assaulted by 15 guards. Uh, yeah, it, it, if that was the U.S., can you imagine if it was an American journalist? I mean, you're, you're representing an American outlet. Imagine if you were following a President Trump visit and something like that happened. Yeah, well, of course, it is still too early to say exactly what happened. I did see some of the video footage, but, uh, of course, it's, it's, it's a bit of a melee. You can't totally see everything that's going on. And there are questions about, you know, who these bodyguards were. I think the initial assumption was that they were Xi Jinping's own dispatched men, and if that were the case, that really wouldn't look good. But I think it's, it's a little more complicated than that, in that, you know, COTRA, the Korean trade agency, needed to hire 
uh, Chinese bodyguard help for this event that they were doing. And so it gets a little bit murkier, you know, insofar as these guys were working for uh, the Korean government, then it becomes a different picture. I'm not saying that that's what it is, but I think in the next couple of hours and days, we'll probably get a little bit more clarity about what happened. But certainly the optics of it don't look good. And certainly many people in South Korea have already come to the conclusion that, uh, you know, um, this is not a country that we necessarily want to be very, very good friends with again. And um, that takeaway is definitely the opposite of, of, I think, what Moon and the Blue House were, were really hoping for. And it, and it also drives at the heart of this domestic conflict here, doesn't it? This idea that we shouldn't be giving away too much to China versus the idea perhaps held on the liberal side of the political aisle that we need to do whatever we can to strengthen that relationship. Well, you know, I think that even the biggest China skeptics have to acknowledge, of course, that you can't, you know, have a bad relationship with China. Certainly not if you're a much smaller economy that's right next to it. And, um, you know, you can you can debate how much sway they have over North Korea, but there's no question that you want um, to at least uh, maintain a decent relationships, you know, a decent relationship with China. And I think this definitely does complicate all of that. And we'll see whether it ends up being the defining image of this four-day visit. We still have Moon heading out to, uh, to, to Chongqing and um, doing a bunch of other things. But again, in the absence of uh, sort of a, an official joint statement, you really do put a lot more uh, weight on the symbolism. And, and again, that, that sometimes can really get away from you. And finally, on the North Korea side, the fact we had the American Secretary of State providing a glimmer of unofficial hope that the U.S. could be up for just kicking off some sort of talks with North Korea. And then we had South Korea repeat President Moon's position that Seoul is ready for unconditional talks with the North. That must have made life a little easier in discussions with China about handling Pyongyang. Yeah, well, that's certainly what China wants to hear as well. I I think they want both sides, the U.S. and North Korea, to come to the table. Um, preferably in a freeze-for-freeze freeze sort of scenario that China has, has been advocating where, you know, both sides refrain from doing the things that the other side doesn't like. But uh, then, of course, you have the White House coming in to, to, I don't know if contradict is too strong a word, but certainly to throw cold water on Tillerson's uh, suggestions. So I don't know where that stands, and certainly yeah. it raises more questions about messaging coming out of this administration in the U.S., and um, you know, I think Americans are confused. I think the Chinese are confused. The South Koreans are confused. And you got to think the North Koreans are also confused as well to a certain extent about who really speaks uh, for U.S. policy. And, you know, even what Tillerson had originally said, I think it may have been um, the product of some wishful thinking in, in interpreting it um, as being such a strong signal. There were other uh, elements and parts of his uh, remarks that were definitely far more hawkish as well. So yes. it wasn't even clear to me that it was a very dovish statement to begin with, but certainly after the White House came in, um, you, you really have to wonder, you know, whether there was a shift at all in, 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 in policy. Jonathan Chang, excellent points. Thank you very much for speaking with us. Thank you. Seoul Bureau Chief for the Wall Street Journal will revisit what Rex Tillerson had to say in this week's quotes um, in around half an hour from now. But uh, for now, let's bring in Dr. Bong Hyung-shik, Research Fellow at Yonsei University Institute for North Korean Studies. Good morning. Good morning. 
and we can go a little bit closer into this North Korea question. Uh, the, the fact that there wasn't a joint statement or a joint press conference involving Presidents Moon and, and Xi, uh, does that signal a negative in, in joint handling of North Korea, even if it was for other reasons? Well, but uh, both leaders, after the summit meeting uh, ended, uh, did uh, agree on announcing four basic principles uh, for the future, um, you know, uh, joint effort to, to deal with the nuclear North Korea. Uh, but yes, it is a very interesting phenomenon that uh, neither side, uh, there, there is no uh, joint statement or the, uh, neither side agreed to have a, a joint press conference. I think that shows that um, there is a strong uh, differences or clear gaps between the two governments in uh, terms of how to deal with North Korea, uh, so that uh, they uh, agree to leave. Uh, there are differences, uh, rather uh, undisclosed, uh, to the general public. That shows that this uh, summit uh, meeting and the state visit by the Moon Jae-in, uh, President Moon Jae-in to China uh, has been uh, rushed. Uh, as uh, illustrated by some uh, unfortunate and ugly you know, controversies and episodes coming out of this visit. Uh, I think the urgency that Moon Jae-in government must have felt that there should be uh, uh, immediate intervention uh, by the uh, South Korean government uh, to prevent any further escalation of tension on uh, the Korean Peninsula um, which would, uh, uh, you know, uh, raise the risk of the uh, unwanted uh, military uh, conflicts and collisions uh, between North Korea and other parties. President Moon has repeatedly said that South Korea was forced into that third deployment. China obviously showed its displeasure with the American anti-missile battery being placed on South Korean soil. Many would argue Beijing doesn't have a right to protest against it but wherever we stand politically on that question are we moving towards a position where both sides can at least just accept the status quo with the um, promise not to further exacerbate the situation well the thought uh, was not mentioned at all at the uh, summit meeting uh, but at the same time it was actually mentioned by the president xi jinping and the president Moon Jae-in. In different terms, right? Mm. Uh, the initial speech by uh, President Xi Jinping of China actually made a, a subtle reference to that by saying that, well, we know that uh, the uh, bilateral relationship uh, have been deteriorated by the issue that we all know what it is. That That is a thought, right? Deployment of thought to the South Korean soil. Right. And... Uh, um, but it seems like the, uh, the uh, at least according to the initial uh, report uh, by uh, South Korean media and the Blue House, the Chongwa there, then the Xi Jinping government uh, agreed to just uh, put the third issue to the back burner at least for a while, uh, because uh, the uh, you know uh, press uh, um, statement uh, issued by the Chinese government made a reference to the third uh, controversy to be settled. Uh, in a, a reasonable way. Uh, so um, I think the, uh, the Chinese government uh, uh, has accepted the so-called the three no principles of the Moon Jae-in government uh, as they are without really insisting upon uh, Moon Jae-in government making additional uh, you know, principles or uh, positions uh, 
you know, uh, according in a meeting that he made right. by the Chinese government. I mean, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Just in conclusion, I wonder where you see the state of affairs currently on this peninsula. Because a few days back, uh, end of November, we had North Korea launching its potentially most powerful intercontinental ballistic missile to date uh, in that test that went high in the sky rather than particularly far as the crow flies. Then we uh, had, of course, North Korea placed on the US uh, list of state sponsors of terrorism, or it was around the same time. Uh, Those events made everything look rather tense and negative. But on the other hand, we've had South Korea, whether Rex Tillerson's position represents the US view or not, we've had South Korea come out again, offering unconditional talks with North Korea. We've got the suggestion from both South Korea and the US that the Pyeongchang Winter Olympics could force a delay in joint military drills next year. Those things must be seen as positives. Uh, but at the same time, um, uh, there are very uh, some concerning uh, signs uh, coming out of this uh, Tillerson statement and the other uh, Moon uh, Xi Jinping summit meeting because uh, uh, two of the four major principles agreed by the both leaders um, uh, seems to be directly related to the concern about the uh, United States going unilateral uh, with military options. The first principle is that um, any war on the Korean pen- Peninsula should be allowed. And uh, the fourth uh, principle uh, uh, stipulates that the uh, improvement of inter-Korean relations uh, ultimately uh, help settle the uh, Peninsula question. Uh, that uh, Those two uh, principles are directly related to um, the uh, joint response to possible military uh, action taken by the United States toward the nuclear North Korea. Mm. So it seems like the, the most urgent and important reason for President Moon Jae-in um, seemingly rushing to make this visit to China with a minimal preparation uh, is that uh, the South Korea must have um, you know, received some very strong and clear message from Washington that time is indeed running out. Uh, for diplomatic solutions to be the most preferred, uh, you know, approach to the potential uh, result resolution of the crisis with the nuclear North Korea. Yeah. Wow. So between the lines of some of those positive indicators, are even more worrying signs. Thank you, Dr. Bong, for joining us today. You're welcome, Dr. Bong Young-shik, there, research fellow at Yonsei University Institute for North Korean Studies.